You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. I am praying that you would leave this place today with me being able to say these words that Paul says in chapter 1, verse 6. We looked at this several weeks ago. But he wrote to them and he says, I am sure of this. You hear the confidence in that? I am sure of this. What is he sure of? That he, God, who started a good work in you, will carry it on to completion. So my prayer that we're about to pray is that everyone here, you may be here and you don't even know who Jesus is. But I'm praying that that changes this next hour. And you may be here and you may have known who Jesus is, but you've been struggling. But I'm praying that you will leave with me, with the confidence, with Paul's confidence, that we are sure that he won't let us go. He's going to help us and carry us. Let's pray. Lord, I trust you. That trust does not come from my own skill. It is a gift from you. You have given me faith, and I pray that you would give everybody in this room faith, the confidence to know and to be sure that you who began something, just something in their life, you're going to progress it. You're going to grow, and I pray that this time together, the remainder that we have together, that you would, that this would be a part of that work. So do it, Lord. Come Meet with us here. I pray that we would encounter you in a marvelous way and through the reading of the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me ask you a question as we look at this text that Dave read. Does your spiritual growth discourage you sometimes? Does your progress, when you, want, when you started here, you were saved and messy and stained and coming into the understanding that Jesus did something so that you could change. And so you were given this idea, maybe it was at camp, maybe it was at church somewhere, maybe it was <coughs> at a restaurant. You were given this idea that you can change. And so it's been many years, many days. Let me ask you, does it sometimes discourage you as you look back on that day, very emotional, very very understandable, and you're looking at yourself now and you're going, I thought there would be more than this. Does it ever frustrate you? Do you ever get weary with the task of getting better or improving? Do you sometimes get aggravated because of repeated sins, or should I even say addictions or habits, strongholds in your life? Do you get frustrated, aggravated? Do you are you tempted at times to sort of throw in the towel and say, I don't feel any different. I don't see any child. Something's wrong. Well, let me just say the Christian life, the life that is centered on the good news of Christ, the gospel that God came to, that Jesus came to save and to take us and prepare a place for us in heaven. It's not supposed to be we walk we fail, we repent, and we repeat. It's not supposed to be like that. 
okay? And if you are like me, and that describes at some point your life, we have good news in this word, in this text today. This inspired text in Philippians will help solve this for us. So we are going to look at three things today. That God is working in you, number one. Number two, we're going to look at how he's working in us. What is he doing? And number three, if you don't see it, why not? Why do we doubt that he is working? So we're going to look at God is working in you. Secondly, how he is working in us and you. And thirdly, spend some time discovering why we doubt that work. Number one, this text is a reminder that God is working in you. Look with me in verse 13. Remember, two weeks ago, we looked at verse 12. Verse 12, we got to remember what it says. Verse 12 was the calling that Paul says to the Philippians. He says, work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. We recap that. We talked about that we have this responsibility, that we have this task before us, that there is a working out what God has already worked in. That there is this role we play. We talked about some of that work means we are remembering the consequences of sin, that we are going to God in prayer and asking for help, and we are remembering, and this is work for us, we are remembering, oh, how much he loves you. So part of the working with fear and trembling involves those things. You can go back to our website and see or listen to that sermon if you want to. And then we come to this text, verse 12 to verse 13. Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Then verse 13 says, for it is God who is working in you. This word for is very important. The balance of the responsibilities in our growth, our victory, our freedom hinge on this word. The balance hinges on this word. Notice that it does not say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling so that God can do a work in you. It doesn't say, okay, if you do this, then God will step in. Have you ever heard the phrase, God will help you? If you help yourself, okay, not biblical. This is not. This text says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is working in you. Not so that God can work in you. So, like I said a few weeks ago, there is a holy synergy in your sanctification. Meaning, there, there is this this coming together of two ideas that, in, that, that is involved with you and I growing more and more like Jesus. So the way it looks is there's this idea of human responsibility on this hand, right? Over here we have human responsibility. What are we responsible to do? How are we, what are we accountable for right here? And then over here we have God's sovereignty, now, an argument throughout histories and centuries has turned human responsibility into some weird distortion called self or 
self-will or whatever. Like We're just going to call it human responsibility because we are responsible and then God is sovereign. So there is this undeniable truth that we are responsible, we have responsibility, and that God is sovereign. And here, these two things, I want to encourage you with this. They are not at odds with each other. It's important. They're not at war with each other. Charles Spurgeon, one of my heroes, somebody I love to read, pastor of a church, he was confronted with the question, Pastor Spurgeon, how do you reconcile human responsibility with God's sovereignty? How do you reconcile that? How do you help people understand that? How do you reconcile that stuff? And Spurgeon witfully replied, I do not see the need to reconcile friends. There's no need to try to argue this. The only thing we need to understand that in the scripture, these two are like a tightrope in pulling us to where God wants us to go. There's a rope, a tightrope connected. And on one hand, we have human responsibility and God's sovereignty over here. And if we highlight human responsibility too much, there's this slack in the rope and we don't progress like we should. If we highlight the doctrine of God's sovereignty way too much and we don't do anything, we just sit back and say, okay, God, you're just, I'm just going to keep sitting. You're just going to take over. Uh, there's this slack and we don't grow. We don't progress. There's this tightrope. They're friends and it is pulling us along. And we don't have time to really explain all that today. I want you to trust me. And if you don't trust me, then let's trust Scripture. Because the idea of this tension and this partnership is all throughout Scripture. Let's just look at a few texts. First one is 1 Corinthians 15.10. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, which was messy. He says this. Now, you've got to be a discerning reader here. But, but by the grace of God. So, by how? God's sovereign grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Popeye did not invent that saying. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I'll check out what Paul's saying here. I worked harder than any of them. Yet, not I, but the grace of God that was in me. So Paul is owning, there's this effort that he is saying that he gave, but it was the grace of God that's working in him. The tightrope is there. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we see it again. Thanks be to who? The pastor on the internet? The best book of the year? No, thanks be to God who put who put the same concern for you into the heart of Titus. Now, Paul is saying, Titus did this amazing work. He came, he encouraged you, he did some phenomenal stuff. There's this service, this hero of a man named Titus, he did some amazing stuff. How did that happen? Well, God put it in him. He goes on to say, for he, Titus, welcomed our appeal and being very diligent human responsibility, went out to you by his own choice. Wait, God put it in him, God moved him, and he went out and did the work. Tightrope. Romans 8, 13. 
And by the way, I want to encourage you to take a break, a little equipping note here. If you want to study God's Word, take different colored pencils into the Word. What I do in the reading of the Word, anything that says something about God and His character, anything He's doing, I highlight in pink. And anything that He requires me to do, anything, a command, I'm telling you, I highlight in green. And all throughout my Bible, I'll see pink, green, pink, green, pink, green, pink, green, all throughout it. That's how I have it marked in my notes here. It's easy to see it that way when it's color, right? Romans 8, 13. If you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So small translation of this amazing chapter we'll look at in a little bit. Paul's basically saying we kill our sins. We kill our sins by the Spirit. Tightrope, relationship, reconciled, friends. First Peter 4.11, I love this. If anyone speaks, <coughs> let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, anybody want to do anything good this week? Serve anybody? Engage the community? If anyone serves, let it be from the strength that God provides. So that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So tightrope, human responsibility, God's sovereignty. And then Colossians 1, last one we'll look at today, but there's just so much more. Paul writes, I labor for this. He used the word striving. I labor, striving. Striving is like working out. I'm going to work. I'm going to not give up. I'm going to fall, but get back up. I'm going to labor. I'm striving. How? With his strength. That works powerfully within me. God is at work. The ability to work toward our growth and holiness, the ability to have freedom from addictions and sin, is not self generated. Our effort is necessary, but only God's work makes it possible. We work out what God works in. He is not idle, and so neither are we. That's what this is saying. That's what this text is saying. For God is what you work out, for God is working. You work it out because God is working in you. That is really good news, and perhaps that's what you needed to hear more than anything this morning, but there's more to say. So what I want us to look at next is how is he working in us? Verse 13, Paul says it this way, for God is working in you both, here it is, to will and to work. He is working in us both to will and to work. Let's look at them one at a time. To will. What does that mean? Well, you've heard it before. Coaches, teachers, parents. To have the will to do something is so important. To have this drive, this, we call it an iron will or the, the will to win a determined will, it's important. If you don't have that, you're not going to accomplish anything. You're not going to accomplish anything well. You're definitely not going to accomplish anything miraculous or strong or tough or heroic if you don't have a, a will to do it. God is working in you to give you that will. What we mean when we say things like this, where there's a will, there's a way, we are saying God feeds us a will to make 
away. It is God who is working to build your will, to change you, to grow you, to give you the want to. This is important. Maybe one of the most important prayers you pray every morning is a prayer that I pray a lot. Is something like this. God, give me the want to want you. (laughs) Today, all I want to do is this. I don't want to do that. God, I know I'm supposed to be doing this, but all I want to do is this. So, God, there's this big gap from where I am and where I need to be. So, God, give me the want. Give me the, the fuel. Give me the drive to want this. I do the things I don't want to do, Paul says. Give me the want. Give me the drive. Give me the will. That is a prayer he loves to answer. Maybe pray something like, give me the desire to go to church. Sunday morning, had a rough weekend. Boss is on me. Teacher's on me. Playing in a big tournament all day Saturday. I don't want to wake up and go sit to some guy telling me I need to do this versus that. I mean, give give me the desire, God, to go. It could be as simple as you see something on the screen, songs that everybody around you singing, and you're looking at it, and you're like, I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. Maybe instead of singing and lying, you just sit there and say, God, give me the desire to believe that. Give me the will for that. Give me the desire to tithe. Give me the will to, and the want to bless others versus fight them. Give me the passion to desire. My friends, this is often our most important work is just to simply pray and ask God to motivate us. So this week in our community groups, this is what I want us to talk out. I want you to get into a group, and I want you to talk out with your groups times that God has changed you from wanting this, and now you want this. Used to be this way. Used to crave cigarettes. You used to could not put down cigarettes. Used to could not put away porn. Used to could not put away this or that. Used to be only about yourself. But God miraculously shifted you, gave you the desire for holiness. I want us in small groups this week to share, whether it's small to you or big to you, talk it out. Share that. So God can be glorified, and others who are on the fence of this can hear it and go, okay, okay, I'm going I'm to keep going. Get in group and do that. It's very helpful. He's providing the will, and he's providing the work. The other way that God is working in us is that he is working in us to will and to work. He's providing the ability He does this in all sorts of ways. He provides resources. He provides opportunities. He provides insight for you. He puts people into your lives that help you. People that you would not have met. People that you couldn't have orchestrated and worked toward. But people that God's bringing in to instruct you, to help you. He's given you the strength to get back up when you fall. To recover. To keep going. To endure. He's doing this in all sorts of ways. You are here this morning by some form of transportation. You're here this morning because your eyes opened and your feet started moving. And and all of that is a gift of God's grace to just enable you to move forward, to go to church, to desire to be here. 
you have a Bible that's a resource God has given you to grow you, it's a gift. There are people in the world that have never seen or heard a copy of this scripture. But God's gifted you with this. He's working in you. He has turned on the lights in your life when you never could have seen anything. If you give, he's given you the opportunities to give. He's given you the resources to give. If you have anything at all to give to anybody, whether it's talent, skill, a spoken word, money, that didn't come from you. It's God giving it to you to work. You pray for more motivation, drive, desire, instruction. He provides that, and with it comes his resources to do it. I love it. All of these are examples outside of our ability and outside of our own independence, and it's helping us grow. It's developing us to work out our salvation. When all else is not growing, your will or your drive or your work, we need to believe he is so committed to your work. He has given you the will, and he has given you the desire and the resources to go. But you might doubt that. If you're like me, there are seasons where you don't see his work, you don't have the drive, and you're just wondering, God, why are you not working? Anybody like that here? Where are you? You promised me this, and all I feel is this. That's the third thing I want us to uncover and look at today, why we might doubt his work. He is working. He is working to will, and he is working to work in you. Why can't we see it? Three possible reasons. One, you might doubt his ability. Now, of course, you would never blatantly sit across from God at a coffee shop and say, God, I just, I just think you lack some resources. God, I just don't think you're going to measure up here. I don't think, I mean, yeah, okay, you're part of the sea, but that's probably some trick somebody else did. I don't think, we would never be so foolish or so courageous or dumb, however you want to say it, to lip service that to God, but we secretly say it like this. I think my marriage is over. We say it like this. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm, I'm going to be able to change or defeat this. I think I'm just, this is who I am. We say it like, I don't, I don't think she'll ever change. She won't change. She's, she's stuck in her ways. She, he's stuck in his ways. And here's one that's, and I'll just say it, you're not going to like me saying it probably, but when we say and we introduce ourselves as, hi, I'm Jason, I'm an addict, I want to tell you something, what you're declaring. I have chosen to wear a label for the rest of my life that no one can take away from me. We are saying, God, 
I doubt you can fix this. In fact, God, I believe you put these genes in me that made me this way, and it's who I am. You're not going to undo it. I've just got to grit it up, work hard, put people around me, and just confess this is who I am. And here's the problem. You don't see it anywhere in Scripture. When people encounter God, they wear one label, redeemed, changed. Not perfect, but changed. And when we say things like this, we are saying, I doubt God can fully change me. He may change some consequences. He may change some patterns, but he can't really fully change me. So I want you to take a moment right now. And I want you just to think, what areas of your life do you sometimes subtly, secretly, often doubt God's ability to change things? And let me tell you, it's hard. But I'm going to tell you that I am not at all convinced that God is weaker than Alzheimer's. You know why? My dad no longer has Alzheimer's. And when we promote something as bigger than God, we say my addiction is bigger than God. My cancer is bigger than God. My wife's behavior, my children, prodigal children's behavior is, is bigger than God. We're saying you're not able I doubt your plan to grow us or grow them. So what is it? In what part of your life do you kind of habitually say, this is bigger than God? You might want to just go ahead and confess that with your lips to God. He hears you. He already knows you think it. He sees your pattern. He's... And, and part of the things he's doing to wake you up is this message to say, okay, let's end that. And you just start saying, God, I, I tend to think this way about this. God, I, I, I cannot defeat pornography. I guess I'll always just be a pornographer. Well, today, change your tune. And say, God, pornography's big. But so was Goliath. And you're bigger. And so, God, you are able. One reason we doubt is because we don't think he's able. My dear friends, God is mighty to save. And he is able. A second reason we may doubt is because we doubt or question his desire. His willingness to change us. Have you ever been there? It's like, yeah, God's strong and he's able, but does he really care? This is actually, confession, what I have struggled with the most. I rarely struggled with his ability, but sometimes I have struggled with his willingness to change. You might doubt his desire or his willingness. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8. It's really hilarious that we ever would doubt his commitment to your growth it's foolish it's crazy when, when we read what we're about to read 
And we think how we're going to think. I think the angels sometimes hear the way or listen the way we talk. And we say, well, I just think God's too busy. I don't think he really cares about little of me and this little issue. And, and uh, I think the angels want to just come in full appearance and just strike us down. Listen. I, I don't think that's really what's happening. I'm just saying sometimes I, I, I wonder what they think. But look at Romans 8. 28. First, we're going to look through Romans 8, 28 through 30. Listen to this as if you're hearing for the first time and you're not just seeing it on a mug or on some tattoo of an athlete. Okay, so listen like it's the first time you've heard this. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. So Paul is saying we are convinced we know that God's doing something. Verse 29, this is when it gets deep, guys. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Are you tracking with what that's saying? I got a plan for you. I've had this plan for a long time. And I've got a plan and I'm going to get you there. This is amazing. I didn't write it, so don't get mad at me. This is what the Word of God says. For we know that all things work together for good. How do we know that? Because he foreknew, he predestined you to become in the image of his Son, to be like Christ, so that he would be the first among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. He is doing it. So imagine your own child. Imagine you watched him or her come out of the womb and, or you've adopted them and you brought them in and, and they're yours and you've helped nurture them and you've raised them. Aren't you passionate about their growth? I mean, you've seen them come into life. You're not all of a sudden, if you love them, you're not all of a sudden going to just check out and go, well, good luck. Hope you develop. It's awful. Be unjust. It'd be horrible. We put those authority figures, parents like that, we put them in jail. We know it's unkind. We know it's not right. Imagine if someone kept trying to lure them away over and over again. They keep enticing them, pulling them over. Um, don't you know you would get involved and rescue them from that? Let's go on to read Romans 8, 31 through 32. So what then shall we say about these things? If, if God is for us, first, so you've got to believe he's able. If, if God, the, the God, if he's for us, who is against us? Maybe your translation says, who can be against us? He did not even spare his own son but he offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? You, you hear the passion in this? Okay, so you pictured with me, if you had a child, wouldn't you be devoted, caring, compassionate, passionate about making sure that child gets to where they need to get? Now, imagine a love so extreme that you would give up that child for somebody else's good. 
That's God's commitment to your growth. I'm going to give you my son. And for you to go your 80 years or however long it is and to doubt, like God's saying this, to doubt my commitment to your growth. And that's when I think the angels show up and say, y'all better get your act straight. You're missing this view of God that says, I'm working in you and I am passionate about working in you. Look to the cross and see how committed I am to your growth. Don't doubt his commitment to you for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This is some really good news about our spiritual growth and your freedom that God is able and that he wants to. So take a moment just to consider how you have doubted God's commitment to your growth. Just confess it. Say, Lord, I, I forget your deep, passionate, intimate love for me. The last reason we doubt his working in us to will and to work is we doubt his process. We question, we reject, or maybe we dislike his blueprint for our development. You doubt his process. Actually, this entire sermon series, this is an entire sermon series altogether, but part of the blueprint to get us to where God wants us is something called suffering. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. It's very important you understand this process of God because bad things happen. Jesus even said, in this world you will have what? A few of you know this. You all know it, but you may not know that Jesus said this. In this world you will have trouble, but have hope of overcome the world. And so what's happening in Hebrews, in chapter 11, um, we have what's called the hall of faith. One of the ways we work out our salvation is we look to examples before us, and we try to learn from them. In Hebrews 11, and chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, we have the greatest examples we could hear or read. And then we have verse 3, and we're going to read verses um, 3 through 14. So just read along with me, or 3 through 13, sorry, and um, we'll unpack it and real briefly, and then we'll close. For consider him, this is Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary <coughs> and give up. You still doubting his commitment to you? <laughs> and struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. Now listen to this. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly. Or lose heart when you are reproved, this is in pink in my Bible, by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he punishes every son he receives. Verse 7 is key. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. 
For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you're illegitimate children. You're not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respect them. Shouldn't we, this is in green in my Bible, shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, based on what seemed good to them. But he, you hear the whiplash there, he is good. And he knows what's good. But he does it for our benefit, so that we can share in his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, right? Amen? But it's painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Insert green highlight here in verse 12. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees and make the straight path for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. What does all this really mean? Verse 7 is a reminder that we should endure all suffering as if the Lord's disciplining us. Why does it have to say that? God is dealing with you as his child. Most children don't understand why it comes. They don't even understand what they did wrong. It takes the more mature adult authority figure to tell us this was wrong. You should not do this. Endure all suffering as discipline from the Lord. One of the pictures that always comes to my mind, you know how the trucks go down 2484. What if you could see into the future and you're your child, you're a parent and you have a little three-year-old kid. And what if you, no matter how many times you've told them, no matter how many times they've come into this church and everybody in this room has told them, you do not run into that street. What if you could see into the future and you know this 18-wheeler is coming and because of their work, because of their child, they're going to ignore everything that's been said to them and they're running out of that street and you could see this 18-wheeler is plowing over that, your child. What would you do? You know it's coming. No amount of words is going to help. No amount of teaching, no amount of lectures. Can't put them in the corner. None of that's going to work. So if you're going to start, maybe with putting them in the corner. You're not listening to me, so you got to go over here. Time out. Then you're going to progress that if it doesn't work, right? You're going to lock every door that you can. You're going to make sure they can't get out because you know they're just going to keep running for And if all else fails, as a loving dad, I'll tell you what I would do to my daughter. If everything else fell, I would find a way to strike a blow to her leg, possibly breaking her femur to keep her from hitting that truck. We laugh, but that's what God does for us. You don't know what's coming, and you don't know how your growth is going to be hindered, so God has to intervene. And discipline you for your long-term growth. It's hard. It seems unfair. But he knows what we do not know. Like we know what our child does not know. 
endures suffering as discipline. He disciplines, verse 6 says, the ones he loves. So as you're receiving the suffering, whatever it might be, he loves you. We are reminded in verse 11, no discipline is enjoyable at the time, but it will yield much fruit. What does that look like? Well, experientially, I want to say this. We've seen this fruit recently in my family. There was a lady, hospice care really took care of my family. It was beautiful, it was sweet. But there was one who stood out. She was one of the nurses and the way she spoke, the way she brought light into this room, she helped my mom and she talked with her. She could, you could just see it, there was something about her and when you learned her story, Two and a half years ago, she lost her own husband to, and was in hospice care and lost her own husband. And she was able to bring this fruit of that painful, horrible time into my home and care for me, my sister, my wife, my kids, but especially my mom. In that moment... As that lady probably left our house every day with tears in her eyes, remembering her own pain, I know she also left saying, because she's a Christian, saying, glory to God, you used me. People, there will be a day from your suffering that God will bring forth fruit. And in that moment, you're still going to grieve, and it's still going to hurt, and you're still going to remember the scars, and you're going to say, God, you're sovereign. You're working. It still hurts, but you're working. I have a dream for this church. When others say to us, aren't you angry with God for this happening? I mean, you should be angry. You should be mad. You should hold your fist up and say, God, how dare you? My dream is that we would be a people that would say, friend, if I thought that this suffering has come from any other hand but the sovereign hand of my God, I would have no hope. But this suffering, as we grieve, is allowed by a sovereign God, so I have this human responsibility to say, yes, God, what are you doing? And with tears, like I just did singing that song, I lift my hand up and I say, you, you're mighty, you're good. So, church, I invite you into this beautiful truth to embrace the tightrope of working out your salvation with fear and trembling while at the same time knowing that God is working in you. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things. It's hard. I'm not perfect in this and neither will you. And that's when we need each other. Our effort is necessary, but only God's work makes it possible. He is not idle, neither should we. So, do you doubt his ability? Do you doubt his love? Or do you doubt his process? Maybe all of it? I don't know. We're here for you. We're not perfect either. We struggle. But we want to help each other encounter God. So, if you're here this morning... And cancer is bigger than God to you. 
Your addiction is bigger than God to you. Your struggle, your suffering, your oppression, whatever's happening is bigger than God to you. Then the elders are going to come forward at the end and, and, and it, it just come and just say, I need prayer. I need help with this. Or even better, nothing against the elders, get into a group this week and let the group say that. Just be real and honest. Say, I don't got my stuff together and I doubt a lot of these things. And pray for one another. Perhaps you're here and you don't know him. I, want, I do want you to come forward today, talk with an elder and say, I want to know Jesus who's bigger than all these things. Would you talk with me about him? And we'd love to introduce you to what it means to be saved by a mighty God.